Hey everyone, this is Dan the GM, and I'm bringing you episode 100 of What the Dice. This intro is a little different because I actually have the team with me to talk about it. Hi! Lies and scandals. Not, not here. <laughs> so, uh, want to thank you guys immensely. 100 episodes in, and that's not counting miscellaneous like secondary recording sessions and this is like episode 100 like format done episodes so i know that we've probably also done multiple extra recordings and all that that crap so i have no clue what we would actually be at numbers yeah math math that's what you would be at you would be at math so this episode for our listeners and well, you guys already know the, the, what's going on. It's a little bit of a long episode. We did some specialty recording for some dream sequences separately. They don't know what each other had. And then we're going right into the episode, which means this episode is probably going to be a long one. So sit back, relax, and enjoy episode 100 of What, what? the Dice. I really want echoes on that. Dice, dice, dice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gotta do that. Yeah, why don't we have echoes? <laughs> there will be. There will be. He'll make them echo. Now that I have been told what I'm going to do in post. <laughs> <laughs> As we walk down the trail cutting through the forest, we can feel our equipment lightly thumping on our back as we make our way to sell the wares from the small dungeon we had just ran. We see an odd sight as the storyteller is sitting off to the side of the road on a stump. Book in hand, he looks at us. Standing, he approaches, holding the book up. Well, well, me friends, it seems as if you've had quite the day. Slaying monsters, training to be such an amazing adventurer. But have you ever thought that sometimes the gods need someone to rest in order for them to teach them something? He holds the book up high as if giving us a chance to peer inside. With a quick glimmer, the book slams shut. There's a puff of smoke that fills our lungs as the world fades away. In the last episode, you guys had a chance to sit down with the mayor and accepted a quest that is sort of below you. You guys will be doing a rat hunt. After speaking to the mayor at length, you had a chance to discuss things with his son, finding out that Nicodemus may have hid some information and sent a team before you. After all that is said and done, you had a chance to head up to your newly acquired room and plan out for the rat hunt. Okay, uh, Defibula, so we're going to start with you. You have just laid down to take a nap. Sleep comes pretty quickly, um, you know, with, between solving a murder mystery, running around Godsfell, chasing a guy who, not really chasing, but following a guy around who is kind of not all there. Not oh, Mr. Solvent? 
Yes, Mr. Solvent. Where are you going to sleep? Are you sleeping on the couch? Or are you sleeping on one of the beds? If no one takes the beds, Defibius will take a bed. If someone takes a bed, he'll sleep on the couch. All right. So let's just say you're nice and you let the two women have a bed because you're short and these, the couch looks more comfortable than the beds. The bench-like beds, yes. <laughs> yeah. As you close your eyes, you almost instantly fall asleep. The world around you changes. You see stonework walls around you as if you were up in a precipice in an old medieval castle. Well, for you, it would just be a normal castle because it is medieval times. The air is stale and has a stench of could be sulfur or maybe oil it, it's hard to say but it's got that very pungent something that was used with explosives was up here what would you like to do the fabulous will kind of look around it's just kind of like where where am i at like just to get a feel of what it just see what it's all around it besides just random ca castle bits looking around you see a large window that the glass is darkly tinted so you can barely see out on the ground there's a giant circle cut into the stone that looks like maybe a, a world map but not it's it's painted black with all these strange little circles and in the center a large yellow circle and there's little white dots everywhere it would remind you of like a clear night sky if we was going to turn cock his head to the side and see if he can spot any constellations in the dots or anything uh roll me a intelligence check wouldn't be it wouldn't be fun if we didn't roll dice, right? Yeah, I know. Uh, just straight int or add modifier? Uh, add the int modifier. Uh, 19 total. With a 19, you stare at it and the constellations don't quite look right. One of them is backwards. Uh, you walk around, maybe it's, it's a positioning thing. No, it's legitimately backwards. The that the handle of the Big Dipper should be facing the other way, but it's not. So you're not entirely sure what you're looking at. The, the constellations are familiar, but they're backwards. As you stare at this constellation and the stars, things start to change. The stone begins to change and become more solid more smooth then you hear the sounds of gears clicking and some kind of tapping and you don't feel like you are alone anymore Defibulous will very cautiously start scanning around him trying to spot what could be in the room with him and spotting where the gears and tapping are, are coming from. As you slowly turn and look around, that window 
extends and grows longer and doesn't look like it's openable anymore. But now you can kind of see out. And you see out in the distance large buildings that stretch up into the sky that are covered in glass. You see strange lights that spell out words that you don't recognize. And as you continue to scan the room, you see a elven female. Her arm looks like it is silver and has small little lights that are blinking randomly. Her hair is tied back in a high tight bun and you see something that looks like goggles on her eyes. You could every now and then you'd see a flash of light, then it would fade, then more flashes of light. And then you would hear something that is very close to what you would know as a welder. Then it would stop. The strange elf slowly lifts the goggles over to her forehead. Sighing, she turns from this strange table and walks away. You see the dragon rifle in its perfect condition, but it looks a little different. The wooden handle and butt and stock that you know of is white and almost look like they're made of a single piece of metal. The worn barrel that you remember, this one is gleaming silver. You see a magazine sitting next to it that is very reminiscent of the magazine that you remember it taking. And the scope, the scope is nothing like you remember. It's a smooth black the lens is tinted red but this rifle doesn't look like it is complete it looks like it is just kind of being set in place what would you like to do um excitedly defibrillus is gonna run up to it and take a look at it because that excites him okay are you going to try to touch it or anything he's gonna like scan over it with his like real close with his head with his eyes before even touching it it looks real. It it doesn't look like the dragon rifle you know of. It doesn't look like the the rifle stock that you have. At least in the material. But the shape is exactly the same. Kind of muttering into himself. He's like, oh, it looks just like mine, but shinier. Lots of shiny. He's gonna very cautiously like poke the side of it. As your finger comes in contact with this strange cool metal everything in an instant just changes the room is now encircled in glass and all you see are stars a large planet looms off into the distance its colors are red and purple and blue and you see an old man an elf sitting down at a desk in front of him a strange screen piece of glass and you hear something that you just don't recognize an argument or something 
as your eyes return to the rifle, it's a little bit closer to what you remember. The stock is wooden. The scope still has the red lens, but looks a little bit more solid. The barrel worn down to get the, the shine off, but it's the dragon rifle, all right. But something doesn't look right. There are wires and strange tubes all attached all around it, and the tubes just seem to lead up a flight of stairs. Very confused. Defibulous is going to see if he can figure out what the tubes are connected to it for before following the tubes to a source. Uh, roll a knowledge engineering. 29. With a 29, you can't determine what they attach to. It looks like the hoses are pumping some kind of fluid into the scope and the strange wires seem to be sparking with electricity that are attached to the barrel. Then you have tubes and electrical pulses going onto the wooden butt. It doesn't... It makes no logical sense of what's going on. And where's this person that was facing this weird screen? They are sitting behind a large desk uh, just to your left. It looks like the room has expanded. Um, excuse me, sir. They don't seem to respond. They seem to be yelling in some kind of language you don't understand and to, well, to you would be a plane of glass. You don't see what they're yelling at. And the plane of glass seems to be just floating there. The previous will, you know, kind of head on over to that desk and be like, um, oh, can you stop yelling at your box for a moment? Are you on the side of the old man or on the opposite side of him? Uh, side of him. Roll me a perception check. Nat 20. With a natural 20, you look up at the screen and you see a dragon. A full-blown dragon. He is shimmering with this strange black and silver hue. He is clearly annoyed because you see licks of black flames coming from his mouth. I was going to say, are they yelling in Draconic? You don't recognize the language. Do you speak Draconic? Mm-hmm. Uh, you're catching every word or so. You're hearing sun and health and, you know, blasphemy. You're, you're only picking up... Bits and pieces of a conversation. Bits and pieces. It's almost like it's a newer variant of Draconic. Like, he says something that doesn't translate well in your ear... And then as you put it together, it's the something about a, a, a bed, a bed of health. Like, the, the words don't make sense, but they do if you had it in a different context. Defibrous mm, will pause for a moment, cock his head aside, and say, excuse me, in Draconic, and see if he gets any type of response from these two. There's nothing. They're either completely a dream or a hallucination or they don't even see you well that's just rude well time to follow the wires as you follow up these metal stairs you get up into a massive domed room 
the wall panels, the the bits of metal that are attaching to large hexagon panes of thick glass are all painted a stock white. The ground at your feet is a very, very clean white. You see strange boxes that have a little green line that's going up and down, up and down. You see a strange pump that is moving up and down slowly. And as your eyes slowly scan the room, you see a young dragon laying in some kind of bed. All these wires and diodes are attached to him. You see fluids coming out of his body into the tubes and then down the stairs to the gun. And it's just laying there looking up at the sky while looking up at the stars. It doesn't look like it's in pain. It just looks like it is maybe waiting for something. Um, hi. How are you? His eyes slowly move from the stars and seems to be looking not at you, but almost past you. And in Draconic, he asks if he had been forgotten. I mean, I can't have forgotten you because I don't know you yet. When you say the words you don't know him yet, he seems to have a smile that just slowly crests on his draconic lips. He reaches out his claw and signals for you to step closer. He'll cautiously move closer. As you get closer, it almost looks like things are slowly changing. He is becoming smaller and frailer. His scales, now that you're close, you can see that they were once black. Black is obsidian, but now they are almost a a faint gray. The shimmer on them have slowly disappeared. He places his large hand on your shoulder, which would be just about like a finger's width on your shoulders. And he lightly pats. He goes, Intraconic. See what happened. And as his hand slowly slips off your shoulder, you hear that sound. Just that solid tone. And then the world disappears from underneath your feet. And you drop what feels like a foot. And then you are sitting in your father and mother's lab. A strange black crate has been delivered. You watch as they pry it open with a crowbar. And there is the dragon rifle you remember. In solemn peace, your father and mother begin to talk about how rare this weapon is and 
give it the name the dragon rifle because it seems to have strange magical essence to it though your parents didn't have magic per se they always had that knowledge of if a firearm had magic to it or had some kind of spell attached to it they instinctually knew your father pulls it out sets it down gingerly and your father and mother begin talking about it and you see a young defibulous step into the door and just peer in as your parents discuss this weapon then your oldest brother your your favorite brother pushes past you and begins to demand that the the rifle be put in the will as his that he deserves that that it should be the the eldest son's gift he just kind of like gives us like uh yep even in my dreams he's still a jerk as you stare at your younger older brother you can almost see licks of black flames coming off of his shoulders as he stares at the rifle in a moment things change again it's a few years down the road based on what you see going on around you it's only about a month or two before your mother and father's mysterious death your father and mother are talking to your grandfather telling him you know if you ever get this rifle protect it with your life make sure no one gets a hold of it i need a perception check 32 with the 32 you watch in awe and you remember this scene vividly in fact as you look up you see the younger you sitting between two balusters kicking his feet just watching an area where your parents say it is the safest for you to watch when they work then your eyes slowly go to the dragon rifle and you hear or almost feel as if the dragon rifle is sad and scared as your parents discuss and explain you know how to take the rifle apart without destroying any pieces fast forward again this time you're in your own body seeing through first person as you are handing your grandfather the rifle and the manual asking him to keep it safe from your brother what did you say to him at that day if i remember correctly the people told him the, that mom dad his middle brother and sister are gone and that his older brother got had killed them and to hold on to the gun that he once things calm down that he'd come back for it and never make sure that his brother just could not get a hold of it and as you say those words you're almost watch as your body leaves you hear you 
get onto a carriage and the carriage pulls off. The grandfather sets the rifle down and begins to slowly disassemble it. Placing it in small packages, he brings in different people and sends it on its way. As he is wrapping up the stock, the wall behind him just blows away as your brother comes stepping in. A large orc holding a cannon has a evil smirk as he pats the barrel of the large cannon. The conversation seems to be in reverse or in some kind of tonality that you just can't understand and you see the grandfather fight weapons drawn his guards trying to help and your brother eventually gets the stock of the rifle not before putting a bullet in the chest of your grandfather now as a skilled gunner you would know that shot would have missed the heart and maybe pierced a lung. But your grandfather lays unmoving, eyes wide, unbreathing, as the brother just laughs and exits. You see your grandfather stand up with a smirk and pull a bullet out of a piece of steel that was tucked underneath his coat. The world turns dark. And you are in a strange temple. The stone is black and dripping with strange ichor. You see white thorned ivy wrapping around different pillars. You see on the dais a large black rose with white and red thorns. You see your brother setting the stock down and you see his wife going around to different fresh skeletons and ripping out bones. What is Defibulous thinking? Well, he now knows where the bone parts and fragments of, for the, that, of the brother's gun when he fought him came from. Kind of disturbed, and this is how it how that got put together, and kind of sad to see the the work that his family had worked on so long kind of perverted in this way. As the bones are being forcefully mounted onto the stock, I need a perception check. Twenty-seven. As each bone is placed in, and either riveted down, mounted, or however in place. You can almost see a cage being wrapped around a silhouette. Something massive. Something the size of a large airship, not akin to the Murdoch. Looking at it, you just see blackness with every once in a while a streak of green lightning or a beam of green light just 
fading through it. Its eyes locked on you, or its eyelessness looking down at you. And you can almost feel a nod as you hear whispered in your ear. Find me, make me whole, and remember me. As those words ring out, the last of the bones are put in place. This strange silhouetted figure is now completely encased in what looks like a cage made of bones. The brother picks up the rifle, points it in your direction, and pulls the trigger. And as you feel this bullet pierce through you, you are shooken awake. What do you do? Check to make sure there's not a hole where I was shot. You open up your vest, you pat yourself down, and there's nothing. Man, these dreams are getting a lot more surreal. I don't like being shot. He's going to look to see what shook him awake. Looking around, you see that Kalila and Faye are fast asleep, and the room is slightly chilled, but you're also drenched in sweat. Defibulous will kind of just sigh, annoyed that that he obviously just had one of those weird dreams again. This time he's going to get up, take his, uh, go light a candle, sit down on the table, and jot everything he he dreamed down and then write those last words he heard of find me, make me whole again and remember and jot that down in his book okay we pick up with you uh, Faye and uh, you saw Defibulus go over to the couch lay down and almost as soon as his head hit the very uncomfortable looking pillow His snoring kind of echoes in this mostly empty room. Looking over at Kalila, she looks like she is getting nice and comfortable to fall asleep. What would you like to do in this moment where there is a strange amount of still? Um, I think that now is a good time to record my thoughts for the day in my personal book of secrets. Okay. And then probably take another peek at the magical book of secrets that I nicked from the Institute. As you pull out the magical book of secrets and you begin to slowly open it, as the book opens up completely, sitting in front of you, is a mask staring up at you with no eyesight no uh, eye holes or anything it just you have this feeling as if there's something that you need to see reach out to touch the mask as you touch the mask the mask is made of a very lightweight and warm but cool metal You don't see any strappings or anything like that. As you turn it over and look at the backside, the backside is very reminiscent of wet obsidian. It's that dark black with this beautiful shine to it. 
It sounds beautiful. You feel in your mind a whisper of wear the mask. Remembering a dream I've had before, I put the mask on. As you put the mask on, you look out in the room and all the color has faded away. Even though this room had mostly grays and dark tones, as you look over at Defibulus's clothing, as you look at Kalila and her bow and the handful of things that you do know had color, it is black and white and grays and all the color has disappeared. You see small streaks of light as the door crackles with a strange electrical charge and slowly opens. What would you like to do? Discreetly check my weapons and wait to see what comes through the door. As the door slowly creaks open, you are blinded by a white light that fills the room. As your eyes adjust, you see Godsfell, but you're back on the deck and you can feel the, the wind and the icy cold just piercing to your bones. As you look around, the, the world is dull and colorless. People move as if marionettes on a string. What would you like to do? Um, reach up to see if I'm still feeling the mask and whether I can take it off. As you reach up and you can feel the mask, but as you reach back to where it would be, where it bind, where it would be on the flesh, you can, it almost feels as if your flesh has overgrown and bound to the mask itself. Well, that's mildly panic-inducing. What would you like to try doing? Take a deep breath and remind myself that this is probably another dream and that he probably wants me to see something. So... I'm gonna look around and see if there's anything in particular that stands out to me as anything that I need to see or know. As you look around, you see, you know, people, the, you see the fire belchers again. It, it literally feels like you are exiting the Murdoch for the first time again. The ice is not on your feet, isn't as cold as the wind itself. As you move closer to, to the dock, or to the entrance of the, the dock, can I get a perception check? 25. With a 25, as you get close to one of the guards that you remember stopping you, you actually see this is a marionette, a well-constructed marionette, but as you follow the string lines up they disappear into the cloud line looking closer his mouth moves up and down 
like an, an actual marionette. The the joints are all just, or all his limbs are just loose joints, and you can see the strings get pulled, taunt, and move his arms up and down, and his mouth moves, but no words come out, just the clack of wood. Can I touch a string? As you reach out and you touch the string, it has a a strangeness to it. It feels as if it is made of spider silk. It's that very thin string. And it's warm to the touch and you can feel magic coursing through it. But it doesn't feel... It doesn't feel anything more than just neutral energy that that calming natural flow of energy well that's a different sensation Faye's never had much to do with magic at all and now she can feel it would you like to push in deeper to Godspell or is there anything else you want to do here in the cold region No, I hate the cold. Let's go inside, please. As you slowly walk inside, everything changes. You're in the holy city, and again, everyone looks like marionette puppets. The the strings for each person has a different glint. People you know that serve other gods, gods of the the darker tones. Their strings have more of a gray to black. Any paladins you see there, any paladins of the good gods and goddesses, their strings sparkle with that gold and white and blue. And then you see the neutral, which just kind of pulses just that natural color, a a white to, to faded gray. People are walking through and there's still no color. Give me a perception check. Dirty 20. With a dirty 20, as you're walking through the hall, or the, uh, the walkways of the holy city, you feel something brush past you and you see a small child, no more than eight, run past you giggling. <laughs> and cuts down a corner. His footsteps that he left seem to glow with color. What color? Just more of a... It's... more of a green color. Something like more natural. Like the the look of fresh-grown grass. That beautiful, bright, vibrant green. I'm gonna follow. As you follow him... You are ran between huts and homes and shops and cutting between people. And they seem to just, almost like a marionette being held, just sway as you pass them. Cutting down a final corner, you see the young boy sitting in an alleyway, hands behind his back and rolling from his heel to his toe, and then back. Looking up at you with this strangely innocent, 
smile. Does the kid look like a marionette? No, he looks like a, a normal child. Giving you that, like, innocent, big-toothed grin that only a, a mischievous young child could give. Yeah, I've got a few of those. What would you like to do? Um, ask if, uh, if he was waiting for me. He gives a slight giggle and goes, <laughs> And why would I be waiting for you? What makes you so special? Hmm, just because you steal things. I look for information. Information is free. Not all information is free. Sometimes you gotta pay for it. But some people just take books without asking. Ah, uh, do you want it back then? It's not mine. It's father's. It's father. The little boy just smiles. And as he brings his hands forward, you see in both his hands between his fingers, you see little silver balls any assassin or rogue worth their grain of salt would quickly identify them as smoke pellets slamming them onto the ground the cloud is a bright red that fades into a green and then disperses into a blue and the boy is gone leaving a simple key in its place I wave away the smoke and kneel to pick up the key. As you kneel down and pick up the key, I need a reflex check. Dirty 20. With a dirty 20, you just barely dodge out of the way as black tendrils come flying from behind you, stabbing into the wall and just obliterating the old stone. You dive down and you enter into a sewer grate that was left open and the world just disappears and you are in a free fall. Did I grab the key? Yes. I'm going to look over the key if there's any light to do so. There are some lights, but nothing great. Using your fingers, you're able to tell it's a kind of a skeleton key. A key that can open many locks. And as you feel it, the hand part, that would be where your fingers would run over it or it would connect to a keychain, feels like it is an image of an open book. As you fall, it feels like an eternity that you just plummet in this darkness until you stop. You don't hit ground. It just feels as if you stop moving. And all around you, you hear the murmur of what can be only be explained as just the murmurs of scholars studying and whispering and sharing secrets and knowledge as all of a sudden it gets quiet. And there is a glint in front of you. A mask. A large mask looking down at you. Well, well. Faye, it seems you have done much in my name. Hello, sir. 
The mask slowly moves around you. Sneaking around, solving murders, using your connections to acquire that which is missing. Keeping all the dirty little secrets of the world locked away as one should. The mask moves around again. I am sure you know who I am and what I am here to do. It seems as if you have curried my favor and being a simple rogue doesn't seem to suit you as well as it once did. Do you agree? I've always been fine with my station in life. But have you? Have you not wished that there was more? Sure, everyone has daydreams. Yes, but there's others that need to do more. People who want power and want something more to it. To understand who they worship and to worship them fully. You know of those who call me the father, skin saw, the reaper of reputations, the great master, black figures. All of this and more. The mask shifts and as it moves around, the murmurs around slowly fade away and you feel as if it is just you and this unseen body. You have joined a small group, one of godlessness and one of a friend. Now, we are all gods and we all fight, but you have found more about what is actually going on. A forgotten god forgetting its place, choosing to disrupt the natural flow. You and them are our little secret, something we have been working on for a millennia. We tire of what we see and we believe it is time for a change. But, my question is, how far are you willing to go to ensure secrets stay secret or get lost? Some secrets go to the grave. But what if the grave cannot contain it? What then? How do you remove something from the irremovable? Only human. You can almost feel as if there is a wily smile that goes across this unseen face. Before you, a small, short sword appears. You see, it is made of a black metal that almost glistens the edge 
the sharpened edge seems to have a, a hue of green. And there is a stench that is familiar but unsettling. Faye, what would you like to do? Sir, am I to be your hand and wield this weapon? He smiles and goes, If you are willing to pick up the blade in my name and help remove this secret that has decided to make itself known, yes, I am offering you a chance to step away from being a simple scholar and rogue and learn the path of my clerics. You will have access to more power than I will grant unto you. But you must be careful. Though those in your party can be trusted, not all that you see can be. This God that must have been, must have, this God that must have slipped from the grave. They are not all that they seem. There's more to their power besides raising the dead, giving eternal life to the living. They are hatred. They are knowledge. They are greed in the most sickest of ways. This god steps on the toes of other gods. And at the same time, stands by the gods. There will be a time that a choice must be made. And if the wrong choice is made, something that we have put in place and has taken a millennia to do will become unraveled and the tapestries of fate will continue to be astrayed. If you wish to take on this task in my name, take the blade. That paladin's gonna be off when that and he comes back. Alright, I reach out and I take the blade in a um, backhanded grip. As your hands touch the blade I need a constitution saving throw 27 as you grip the blade a giant black scorpion tail strikes down on your hand you can feel the poison inject into you do you release the sword no I grip it tighter as you grip it tighter, the blade slowly fades away, and you can feel this poison coursing through your veins as you are jarred awakened, and you are laying on your back. The books have been neatly tucked away in their pack, and you feel 
magic coursing through your soul. On top of that, every time you glance at your nails, you see a, a slight hue of green. On top of your regular damage, you will cause 1d3 poison damage that bypasses DR. So now that you are awake and you hear Defibulous is snoring, is there anything you want to do? Not still wearing the mask. Nope. It's not time to get up yet. Nope. You've probably got a couple hours before time to get up. You can opt to go back to bed or you can opt to just sit and stare at the roof. I think I'm going to actually not write that down and roll over and go back to sleep. Except that that snoring is kind of loud, so I'm going to nudge Defibulous to roll over first. Well, he is on the couch, so you would probably have to actually get up and nudge him and then go back to bed. Worth it if it makes him snore softer. (laughs) As you nudge him, he rolls over and you hear that... (laughs) And he just fades off sleeping. No wonder that paladin was so grumpy. Couldn't sleep. Kalila, we now move on to you. You watch as Defibulous takes the couch, lays down, and almost instantly falls asleep and starts to snore. Faye is sitting cross-legged on the bed as she is scribbling away in her book. As you lay down on this semi-comfortable cot bed thing, you find yourself drifting off rather quickly. As you fall asleep, you start to feel the sensation of grass on your fur and the sounds of summer bugs in the evening. You hear a light rustle of wind as you lay there. What would you like to do? Is it similar sounds that she's had in prior dreams? Yes. Her eyes are just going to shoot up and she's going to immediately look to her right to see if she can see her goddess or her left to see. And then all around. Okay. Perception check. 23. With a 23, you don't see your goddess directly. You do notice that the stars in the skies have faded out a little bit more. And then as you kind of start to look around, you see the goddess standing there she is smiling and she is offering you a hand up as you are laying in the grass she will uh, definitely have a mild jump with the whole like oh, god she where'd she come from wait she is gone but happily take the hand and stand up but before that she when when she saw a few more stars had dimmed she definitely would have had a frown on her face and her ears would have drooped a little as well your goddess gives you a smile and she goes, don't worry, everything is as it should be. Come with me. She turns and a ivy vine archway slowly crawls out of the ground and binds together. Small stones start to form up under your feet, giving you a nice, smooth pathway. Happily follow. 
as you walk through the archway, things slowly change. You hear the sounds of a slight river, the chatter of fishermen fishing. As you look around, you're in your village. You see the Kalila from, what, a year ago? Not even. Standing there, looking out at the gate as she is fixing her harness and starting to walk out, leaving her village for the first time. Your goddess stands there and watches and smiles. I'm sure you remember this. Fondly. You know, for gods, time is very different. It's neither linear or cyclical. It is just there. Every now and then, the gods and the goddesses find a mortal that would remind us of ourselves if we were mortal. She starts to walk down the path with you and tail, with you and tail, of course. <laughs> Me and tail. <laughs> but she is also following with a little bit of a bewilderment of what she, her goddess just said, by the way. A little bewildered, but quiet. Walking just slightly down the road, you see your first fight with rats saving Reginald the 14th. She looks at you and smiles. Some would just pass by. It's only a rat. It can't cause that much damage. But you, you stop and you help keep nature in balance. I can't imagine doing anything else. I can't imagine somebody who just walks by. It is a thing that happens. Not all that walk the path walk the path truthfully. Some walk in reverence when they can and slip when they do, and it is a mortal thing. To err is mortal. But sometimes little things, helping a stranger, helping a man who took you in and gave you shelter, getting him away from something that could potentially harm or kill him. Ishel. She nods. He is still blessed by me, and he will be the priest that he deserves. She'll just smile and say nothing for a little bit over that to hear that. The area around you slowly changes and you're in the curse swamp. And you can see yourself, Clyde and Defibulous, tied by a rope, going through the cursed swamp, dealing with the, the strangeness. Seeing that, though, she will go, I know he doesn't follow you. He follows Iomade. I hope he still is well. He is well, and he is protected. Kalila will perk up to hearing that. She waves her hand out. She goes, for a young cat leaving her village for the first time, you did not have it the easiest. You dove headfirst into a problem of the gods and without realizing it, set things into motion that 
once in motion cannot stop. What did we set in motion? She looks at you with a very serious look. The gods have had an issue with something that had been forgotten. And when one section appeared, the other section appeared. And we feared that that would so. We welcome one side, but not the other. But they are two sides of the same coin. Sounds like the bone god. She gives a slight nod. Sometimes she stops. Kneeling down, she picks up a caterpillar. Holding it up, she goes, Caterpillars, to become a butterfly, must literally change what they are. They disappear, they disintegrate, and they are born anew. Sometimes, for things to be put in order, they must be scattered to the winds. Some of the gods and I feared that this forgotten god would reappear. So we put things into motion. It has taken us what feels like a millennia before things lined up just right. The world changes and you're on that mountainside with Argoroth the Rogoroth and watching you and Defibulus sneak around. You hunt and fight like a hunter. You, you think on your feet and you make friends with the strangest of people. A paladin, a heathen, and a spy. A heathen and a spy? Well, what else would you call a mortal who believes in no god? Well, coming from a goddess, I guess that makes sense. I don't use the term heathen as I am mad or upset. But as a what they are. Right. A non-believer. Yes. And a spy. Defibulus has a path. I cannot see his path, nor can some of the other gods. But there is a spark about him that shines brighter than some of the paladins I have seen. He is honest. He is mindful of those around him, and he wants to do good. That's why I like him. He's a good guy. And the spy. I'm assuming you mean Faye. Yes. And I don't mean spy as in she is spying on you. As in her skill class. As in her skills and what she is born and who she works with. It's, a, it's like me being a hunter. Right. It is what she is. Yes. And her god guides her path. And him and I have an agreement. We needed someone that no one would expect to help. Someone who has spent their lives hiding in the shadows. 
Sometimes, as a good hunter knows, hunting in the shadows is the best way. Sometimes to defeat evil, you have to understand evil? Yes. To hunt the bear, you must know the bear. Yes. She seems good-hearted. And from our last time we spoke, said you had friends in darker places. Yes. I took it as a sign to accept her, not judge her. You're friends with her god. She can be friends with men. She nods. The scene changes, and you're aboard Murdoch, and you're watching the murder play out, and watching Lady Katana sneak up, slipping the the silk around the captain's neck, planting her foot, and just tightening and tightening. Why was this so relevant? Everything else has made sense in its crazy scheme of whatever's going on for you. This made no sense. She smiles and walks over to a crate and sits down on it, watching the scene play out as it just kind of jumps ahead in, in random tangents, watching the team enter and go, come and go, come and go, until the final conversation. She looks at you and goes, this was never part of our plan. This was... This was a seed of chaos. Something that just happened. There's still an aspect to life even the gods can't control. Right. And... It gave me a chance to watch and study you and your friends to see how far you are willing to take something to ensure that your mission is a success. You could have let the the guards deal with this and it could have ended up the same or it could have ended up entirely different. The young orc may not have won the bet. He may have lost the bet and lost everything. It's one of those things that many of the gods don't like about mortals. The free will aspect. I and several others enjoy it. It's like watching the ocean. You cannot control the waves, and the more you try, the more it fights against you. Mortals in their own right are chaotic and it makes the world beautiful. Yes, there is evil and there is hate, but it helps let the beauty shine that much more. You should just nod to it. She slowly stands off the crate and the world fades away and you are back in that field listening to the summer bugs chirp and listening to the wind rustle in the the leaves I don't have more knowledge to give you I just want to show you you are still on the path you have taken steps to do everything you believe I want you to do. And sometimes 
being told you are doing what needs to be done helps. It's been a crazy ride. I'm not going to lie. Kind of nice to know that following those butterflies out of my village was the correct move. She extends her hand back towards the the archway. Look back at your path. Look back at her path. Give me a perception check. Hold on, I'm mathing. Mm-hmm. 32? With a 32, you stare back at that path that you walked, and you can almost see, even though the scenes changed, you were still on that same stone pathway. And as you look back, you see that there were off routes you could have taken. You could have taken a left instead of a right. You could have followed different paths the whole way down, and you don't necessarily see how things would be different, but you definitely see this whole time you had choices. Yes, there was a a primary path that was inlaid in smooth stone, but you could take paths of stone that was just slightly rougher or cut through grass that was tall. She'll just quietly take it in because it's a lot to, to perceive. Your goddess turns and smiles as she watches you study the pathway. It's almost like she's studying it like different rabbit trails. Mm-hmm. Do you have any questions for me, Kalila? I know there's things you probably can't tell because you can't predict the future given our free will and all, I guess. I just have one thing to ask. Yes. Clyde and Faye both have their gods to protect them. Look out for Defibulus. She looks at you and almost chuckles as she kneels down to look at you and Oh, is she taller than me? Yeah. I always imagined that she was like my height or maybe a foot, but to kneel? Like, holy crap, how big is she? Uh, it. She does take different forms depending on what she's doing. Okay, so she all of a sudden like a big guy. Well, she had walked you down this path, so you were... She was, like, she is more kneeling to look you in the eye, so she is probably a good head or two taller than you. Okay. She kneels down to look you in the eyes, and she just places her hand on your shoulder. Defibulus doesn't need a god like me to protect him. Though he chooses not to worship a god, that does not mean that there aren't gods out there that want him to succeed. There are dwarven gods that revel in the fact that he uses that strange firearm. There are gnomish gods that absolutely want him to continue his mischievous ways. There are even gods of the shadows that want him to improve that ingenuity that he was born with. But something along your path and his path is going to create something, is going to release something that is going to change 
how the gods perceive themselves. Lila almost can't help herself with the, like, her ears. I'm debating on whether she would just go, the dragon rifle? Or if she wouldn't. I'm on the fence. Do you want me to give you a moment so you can decide? She's still a young, innocent cat. She she will. She'll just go, the dragon rifle? Ears perk up, tail sway for a second. The goddess smiles and slowly stands, patting your shoulder twice. You must rest, for you have a hunt tomorrow. She'll just give a playful sigh and nod. Like, okay, you're not going to answer me. She smiles and she... Just gives him Dawn. She goes, it will all make sense in the end. Isn't that how it always works? Of course. But before you go, she walks you to a small clear pond and she lightly taps it. Look in it. The ripples slowly echo out from her fingertip and you get to see your village. It is thriving. You see your hunter master is still there hunting. Your parents are doing well. The village itself seems to be being protected by an unseen force. You're looking out for the village for me. Of course. She'll just smile and nod. Sometimes we ask mortals to do our path but we never offer them safety for those they care about I want to show you that this isn't a reward this isn't something that I am giving you as a trophy for doing your job or doing the path I asked you to trust me and you've done so And I wanted to reward that trust in protecting something very precious to you. She'll just smile and for a a little while have a moment of silence and she goes, I don't know how to thank you for that. There is no need for thanks. You are doing something that only you can do. It took a millennia to get this far. And in the next year, two years, however long this takes, it is your path. She'll... That, that, that... No, no wait. No pressure. It's fine. That's fine. That's not what she's saying. That's what I'm saying. She will nod, but she goes, you haven't led me astray yet, and you've done nothing to betray my trust. I'll continue to follow you, and whatever path you need me to go down... I don't want this bone god to survive. She nods and she walks you over to where you had woken up and she pats your shoulder lightly and says, well, I appreciate all that you have done and all that you will do. I will do what I can to protect your village. And if it ever comes a time when you need off this path because it is too hard, Find one of my temples and summon me. I do not ever think that will be the case, but I want you to always remember you have free will. I 
can't imagine that happening either. But thank you for letting me know. She nods. Now I got a bone god to go hunt. Well, you also have a small rat to go hunt. It's part of the process. Just another stone in the path, right? Absolutely. And as you lay down in that soft grass, the world slowly returns to normal. You feel the thin blanket on you, and you hear Defibulous stir for a moment as a slight bed creak next to you as you hear Faye crawl back into bed, clearly annoyed by Defibulous's snoring, has found a way to quiet him so that you both can fall back asleep. She'll just whisper, thank you. Mostly at Faye. We wake up with the warmth of a fire on our face, and we shake our head just ever so slightly. A little bit of dust comes out of our hair as we look around. We're in the storyteller's campsite, and it is dark. The moon is high, and the storyteller looks over at us with a smile. Well, well, we friends, welcome back from your dream. I hope you have learned many things, but let us continue our tale, shall we? Last we spoke, the adventurers had laid their head down for a short nap, for in a few hours they must arise and deal with this strange rat problem. Sit back, relax, and hear me tale. As it gets that time for you guys to wake up, you naturally stir, knowing that you were only taking a short nap so that you can be prepared for the rat hunt that you have planned for this eve. Which, Kalila's probably the first one up since she's the hunter, you know, and and she does have a a trail scent kit thing or whatever. She's preparing the things to do the things, little baits to, like, toss to the rats if she needs yada yada do you have a profession hunting or anything like tracking or anything like that I have technically the only profession that I have on my character sheet is Tanner um, but I mean hunter survival knowledge local knowledge nature you acknowledge nature with advantage because you have hunted rats many a time you said knowledge nature? Knowledge nature with advantage. Yes, which is roll two, keep the highest. Yep. Mathing. 23. With the 23, you are fairly confident that you have all the bait set up. You have the right smells. You're not using like cat urine to attract rats. You're using more like- I apparently have plenty on hand, if ever needed. <laughs> Sorry, use cat urine as an example, and I'm a cat. (laughs) Couldn't resist. But you use the proper scents and baits to make sure that you attract the animals that you are wanting to attract. Don't want to attract a giant, like, mole thing. Yep. What is everyone else doing? Defabulous is going to 
open up his art book and try to sketch out the stuff he was dreaming of the night before. Okay. Roll me your int. 18. Okay. Uh, it's rough, but it, it looks good enough. Like, you know, it was a dream, so sometimes dreams don't fully translate over, but you get the very gist of the idea. You may not have, like, small details down, but you have a fairly good grasp of it. Yeah, I progressed past stick figures. <laughs> yeah, you've always been past stick figures. I've seen your sketchbook. I'm not. <laughs> You're right. I have stick figures with blocks around them for armor. Woo. We call those collider boxes. Um, Faye, what are you doing? After staring at my nails for a minute, I'm going to uh, take care of making sure my weapons are ready to go and offer to help Kalila with anything she needs. Okay. So as you take, you know, 30 to 45 minutes to prep your equipment and bags and what and whatnot and things of needed nature you can hear the sounds of the world around you quieting down as most of the dwarves who work during the day have settled down and you don't hear the commotion you did when you laid down originally there is a, a sense of calm as the world besides the night shift and adventurers to go about their day. Which if Kalila can definitely hear the commotion die down, she'll wait till it sounds just quiet enough and go, now's good. Let's go. Now, oh, stupid question. Answer? Any of you guys get have like weird dreams or stuff like that? Yeah, I did too. You again as well? Yeah, this one made about as much sense as the last one. What happened in yours? Well, I got to see through my eyes, but not through my eyes, which was kind of really weird. Um, What else was there? I saw a dragon. Speaking of former dragon, I couldn't understand. I saw a dragon in a bed hooked up with, like, weird things to him. And he told me to remember him. Weird. Are there any dragon gods? Eh. You're the god people around here, not me. Okay, well, I have mine. She has hers. Oh, and I also need to apparently rebuild the gun and remember. So, yeah. Um, well, we already knew you needed to hunt down and rebuild the gun. That's been part of our goals ever since we met you, isn't it? That, that and I get shot. Yeah, we're still working on that one. Yeah, but we, we really need to improve. But is this one of those weird god dreams? Because I still don't understand the god thing, really. Well, I had a god dream. Well, my goddess was talking to me about things. But like, gods just randomly go, to, oh, I'm going to go talk to this little fantastic gnome with bare feet type thing. <laughs> Normally, you worship a god and they talk back to you occasionally in your dreams. Uh... But according to my god, there might be people looking out for you, so maybe they're trying to send you a message. Do you think they're after my bare feet? No, not at all. Because, you know, I'll, I'll fight people for my bare feet. No one will take your bare feet. I would hope not. 
What about you, Faye? What about me? Any weird dreams on your part? Enlightening. Something about lightning? Clyla's just gonna smirk with no explanation behind her smirk and then pick up her gear and head towards the door. <laughs> the Phoebus will lean into Clyla. I thought you were main, like hinting that that she would Faye would take my bear shoes. No, she won't take your bear shoes. She'll defend your rights to have them. She did admit they're quite fashionable after all. I'm smirking. She'll just keep that shit-eating grin on her face and tap her nose and then walk off. Right. Alright, off we go on a rat hunt then. Mm-hmm. As you guys enter the hallways, the lights are giving off a blue hue. Just enough to where you can see and see where you're going and providing minimal low light. Well, Kalila's fine. She can see in the dark and she has Hugin. Yeah. I think everyone has low light because it's it would be low light enough to where even a human could see. Okay, no, so I have dim. normal vision, but if you stop and let your eyes adjust after a few minutes, you're good. Yeah, exactly. But this okay. is also giving that blue hue, so it's almost like theater lighting backstage. Mm. Okay, no shock. Mm -hmm. We were all theater nerds. You also don't even really notice where the lights are coming from. So it's just this strange overall blue hue of light that fills the hallways. All right. Well, Kalila's going to get her cat ears going and Hugin's tremor sense going and find some rats. All right. Now, what size rat are we looking for again? Are these like the small like kind of adorable size ones or the ones that are probably capable of biting me in the face while standing in front of me without jumping. Okay, well, dire rats are not that large. They're, you're looking for, I don't know, chin to knee height rat. That's how big a dire rat is, right? Uh, dire, rats, dire rats, I believe, are classified as a small creature. Well, yeah, but so am I. <laughs> All right, so it's not a chihuahua, maybe like a... a we're looking for a, a rat the size of a Maine Coon. That is still a giant rat. It's a giant rat, but it's not like going to be able to bite your face. It would still have to jump up to bite your face. Oh, I thought these were like going to be bigger ones. Well, there might be a little bit bigger of one, but I've never seen one larger than a wolf. I wonder if I got a rat that big, if I could ride him around. I think I'd big enough. Please don't ride the rat. Why not? Besides, I can't. I may not be able to arm humans, a uh, human's armor, but I can, might be able to make like a mobile fortress on a rat. So, give me a perception check for you and for Hugin. Okay. So that being said, I rolled a twenty-six, um, but uh, I'd never printed out Hugin's character sheet, so I have to pull it up digitally. So I'm going to ignore his roll for right now because I have no idea what his perception is. Okay. With a twenty-six, you are able to catch the sounds of chittering in the hallway, down towards down south. It's faint, and it sounds like there's very few of them, but. There's definitely that sound of the chitters. Is it coming from the smaller hallways or the main drag based off of where we're standing? 
it kind of is echoing. So, all right, I'm gonna make my way to the main hall, and then do a perception. I'm gonna move to one side and listen to see if it was stronger in the other direction. Kind of idea. Okay. Give me another perception check. Nat twenty. With a nat twenty, you can definitely pinpoint that sound, and you can tell that there's probably a small group of them, and they are in one of the small hallways, um, just slightly south of you. All right, I'm gonna make my way to that noise. As you approach the sound, it sounds like they are chewing through wood, trying to either make a new hole or try to get something out. All right, I wanna see what they're doing. As you approach and you turn the corner, you see a cluster of three rats. They have pried up some rotten boards and are chewing on what looks to be some kind of strange wire. Which Kalila's going to find very odd. Why are they going after this wire? But she's going to see the temperament of them and slowly take a step or two towards them to see if they acknowledge and hiss at her. You know, the warning of leave me alone. Or if they are so intrigued as to what they're chewing on, they don't even care. So are you sneaking or are you just approaching? Approaching gently. As you approach... They all turn in unison, their eyes glinting red, and they all hiss. I will take a step back and respect their hiss to see if they stop. Their tails are up and twitching, and they have kind of lined up. Like, they are prepared to fight you. These are aggressive rats. Who is by you? Anyone joined her? Yeah, Defibulous did. Well, I moved Faye to flank. Smart. Hugan would have been next to her, so she at least has Hugan by her. I need initials. Woo! You know, I give you guys flack for not having your dice ready. Guess what I don't have? (laughs) (laughs) Wah, wah. Ah, now the rubber bend is on the other claw. Sorry, I've been waiting to use that one. I have a 17. 22. 18. And rolling. Hugan's just going to go on my turn with me because it gets too complicated otherwise. Which, are these rats particularly aggressive for rats? Or are they right up there with the normal temperament of a dire rat? Kind of in between. Okay, so they might be a little aggressive. They either really like what they're chewing for, or they're aggressive. Or you surprise them, and they are just the... Well, we'll see if they back down, but probably not. Poking with a stick. Defibulous. You are staring down some dire rats. Nothing you haven't seen before. It's kind of a common adventurer trope of having to kill dire rats for your first level. In fact, that was the first thing she ever ever killed on her beginning of her quest. I think mine was a bandit. Yeah, you threw one at me during my uh, session zero. Yeah, you did have a dire rat in a session zero as well. Wait a minute, you guys got dire rats and I got bandits? What the hell? It's probably because of your boomstick. Boomstick. The fibulous. What would you like to do? Well, yes, I guess now I get to test out this new rifle. Oh boy. That's going to be fun echoing through these hallways. Go right ahead. Will do. 
We'll wake everybody up. Oh well. We were hired by the mayor to do this. Whatever. Was it the mayor that hired us? The important, important person in charge. I don't know. Um, any particular rat look like he's in, he's leading this pack? They're rats. They all look the same to you. I could tell, but is he's are you saying that aloud or are you guessing in your head? Yeah, kind of more of a lot. He's like, um, who's in charge of this group? I rolled a 19 on dice. Which la rat's the leader? <laughs> oh my god. Do I have to, do I have to math? These look like they're, they're rats. They really don't have a leader. They are just out scrounging. None of them. Alright, I'll just pick one and shoot it. Yep. He'll shoot the one right in the middle of the pack. Okay. Uh, how far are we away from the rats, are we? Like, within 30 feet or less? Yeah. Uh, 32. That is a hit. Which ammo are you using? Uh, the cartridge stuff. Let me rephrase this. Are you using wild shot? No, not in, the not in any closed hallway after what happened last night. <laughs> oh, I might kill him. I know I asked the gods to look after you, but I'm gonna murder you for that. What we need to do is we both need to find a narrow hallway and then like wild shot at something way at the end of the hallway. That'll be fun. Yeah, miss me with that. Uh, full 16 points of damage. Alright. One of them just explodes in viscera. The other two yeah. kind of glance at each other. One of them grabs some of the meat from the rat that was killed and starts to chew on it. The other rat stares at the fibulus and then just stares like hatred in its eyes. Oh god, I just started the rat uprisings. Faye, you're around. Well, this is unusual for rats. Shouldn't they be running? This is very weird for even a dire rat but they could potentially really want what they're going for, and I don't know what that is until we kill them. Well, I exploded one. Quite well, too. Alright. Um, Faye has a handful of throwing daggers, so I'm gonna go ahead and throw one of those. Alright, roll. And I need to find their stupid... Dirty 20. That is a hit. Six damage. It is still alive and it has a dagger sticking out of it. Its eyes slowly turn towards you and just hisses. Kalila, you're around. One's dead, one's wounded, other one's still standing. Mm -hmm. Chewing on a piece of meat. What kind of meat is it chewing on? It's dead partner. Oh, okay. Fair. Well, I'll take my bow and aim at it. I get two attacks, right, if I need it? Yes. Yeah. And you can split for, I think it's a minus... I think it's a minus two on hit? Or I might be thinking Shadowrun. Yeah, that typically is normally a minus two for uh, multiple targets versus yeah. one target. But I'm going to... Can can I hold one shot back just to see? I don't want to, like, call two for the same thing. Like You could split the, split the shots. I mean... You know that dioramps are pretty weak compared to most. Right. All right, I'll take one and aim at one and aim at another. All right. Give me roll for each. 30 on the first one, 
24 for the second one. Both of those are hits. First rat takes, I was just using a regular arrow, by the way. I was not wasting any of my good ones. Mm -hmm. 15 points of damage. All right, that one is dead. And the other damage? Rolling 12 points of damage. It is also dead. All right, and there was only the three, right? That you saw, yep. Kalila's going to investigate one of the, the one with least damage, so I guess the one that she shot with a single arrow. Mm -hmm. uh, for any signs of why they might have been so aggressive, if it's on their, their rat body, or if it's just what they were digging for. All right, I need knowledge nature and a perception check. Let's start with that perception check. While she's rolling, I'm going to uh, retrieve my dagger and kind of poke at them to see if I can see anything either. All right, perception check. I'm going to pick up my brass casing and then go take a look at that wire. Okay, and knowledge engineering. 33 for my perception, by the way. Okay, and then knowledge nature. 25 on my perception. Mm -hmm. 25. Okay, my dice ran away and hit the floor, but I rolled a nat 20. All right. We'll give it to you this once. Thank you. It wasn't even... It was a solid 20. Bay, as you poke and prod this rat, you notice that its fur is a little denser than most rats. Uh, looks like it is caked on with clay and dirt. But you don't really notice anything past that. Does it bleed normally? Yeah, it bled. Hmm. Kalila, as you inspect the dire rat with the arrow sticking out of it, you notice that there is a green foam dripping from its lips, and its hide is covered in scar marks that look like they have been stitched back with some kind of small, thin metal threading. The fur is a little different than most dire rats. It feels more like a quill, like a, uh, a porcupine quill, rather than traditional rat fur. Defibulous, with your roll, you were looking at that wire carefully, and you see that it's no wire you've ever seen. It looks like it is wrapped in some kind of hard but flexible material, and inside what you would expect possibly metal or something like that, there are thin pieces of what feel like glass that pulse red, green, and blue light very slowly. Just to confirm, you said that the rat was stitched up with thin metal wire? Yes, like it had scars, like a... Someone mended this rat. Yeah. Just guys... <laughs> Someone mended this mat, this rat. Someone, this rat was wounded, and someone stitched it up like you would a wound, with a weird metal string. And she's taking her claw to it to test its—I don't know—durability, how well it snaps. You were able to lift the rat up about a foot before your claw snips through the thin metal, and the rat plops to the ground with a wet thud. It has a lot of weight. The, the string, it can bear a lot of weight. Yeah, I see that. These aren't normal rats. 
No, they should have run off when when we walked up. Also, uh, I'm not as familiar with poisons. Is anybody familiar with poisons? Still point with a claw without touching the green foam on the rat's mouth, too. Going, this isn't normal for a dire rat, is it? Unless I'm wrong. Tell me if I'm wrong. Phoebus will take a look. You have knowledge um. nature. I do. I'm rolling for that. I just didn't know. I'm assuming that was that was me talking. Yeah, no, you're, you're good. They dire rats do not foam at the mouth regularly. Okay, nor do they foam green. Right. All right. My knowledge okay. nature granted me a uh, twenty-five. Yeah. Here we go with twenty-five. Final answer. Okay, so I'm just gonna cast detect poison. That's smart. <laughs> I don't think I have that. Faye, with detect poison, you do not detect poison, but something doesn't feel right. Faye, or uh, Kalila, you would akin the foam to possibly a variant of rabies, something that would boost the aggression levels in some type of creatures. But this green foam that drips from its lips, rabies usually produces a white foam. This, This doesn't look natural, but it could also be something that's in their diet. Okay, so there's no, there's no poison. I can also, believe it or not, I also have diagnosed disease. Okay, give it a shot. Could it also be that maybe they're drinking the same water that the dwarves drink? I mean, they get that green stuff in the water. You know, that's a very good point. I didn't th- remember that. That's possible. All right, well, let's see if it is rabies or if it's something else. Violet, we'll wait. So... Okay, it's not even a touch, though. It's just close. Yep. 34. Okay. So, cast. What do I find? As you cast it, you're... In your mind, you kind of run through everything, and there's that guiding light of what you're looking for, and it's not a disease. It looks like it might be a side effect of some kind of drug. Something that amplifies the aggression levels and strength and agility but makes the purse makes the creature that ingests it overly aggressive and more willing to stand its ground so it almost removes the flight part of the fight or flight oh they've just been hit with pure adrenaline haven't they sounds like it okay so now that i know this i'm gonna share it with everybody Somebody's meddling with the dire rats around here. Well, we are supposed to find eradicate all of them. Right, but why? Why would somebody do this? And who would do this? Whatever the reason, that means that there's a hive. There's a main nest, and these guys are out foraging. So we need to find out, find some of these tunnels, see where they lead, and follow them down. I would also suggest if we come across any of the maintenance people, asking them what that conduit there is. Because they seem pretty intent on chewing into that, and I can't identify what that does or what it is. I was going to ask you what you found. Kalila's going to at least look to see what's there for visual reference for the future, so she can say if she's seen it again in the future. Mm-hmm. Same, and take note of the location so we can send a repair crew to it. Okay. She's going to peek her head around and see the, the, the main drag and see if there's any uh, guard. No, it looks like 
they're either in the changing of the guards or they do rounds. Can Hugin detect anybody within 30 feet that's moving around like a guard would? No. Can Hugin detect any other rats scurrying about with his tremor sense? 30 feet? Yes. Any he, vibration? He taps the ground like there is movement underneath you all, but doesn't indicate how far. Okay. No, that's fair. Kalila's going to listen for her cat with her cat ears again uh, for any other rat-like noises on this level around her within reason, I guess. Well, as you listen to the winds around you, you hear, that's all we have for this episode. <laughs> the end of the episode. <laughs> it was coming. I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. I was like, you hear me? That's all we have. <laughs> Clever. Thank you. Well, well, well. It seems as if the adventurers can't even get a simple rat hunt without some strange, mysterious force mucking about with nature. Green foam from the mouth and metal threads stitching them together. What will the adventurers do besides hunt down and eradicate the strange rats? What other mysteries does these metal walls of this strange place known as Godsfell hold? Well, my friends, that is another tale for another time. As always, may the dice gods bless your every roll. We here at What the Dice would like to thank Paizo for creating Pathfinder, Epidemic Sound for our music, as well as Sirenscape for our sound effects. If you would like to reach out to us, you can do so on Facebook at What the Dice Pod, Twitter at What the Dice Pod, and of course email WhatTheDicePod at gmail.com. And if you liked our little adventure, please share us with your friends and rate and review us.